Hello and welcome to Political Surgery, the show where we deep dive on a major headline or issue in the news. You can catch us at 4pm every Saturday on 95.3 FM, online at bailrigfm.co.uk or on Spotify. I'm your host, Sarah Hamid. And I'm your host, Leo Metcalf. This week, we'll be looking at the US presidential election in November 2024, and we're going to analyse the issues the Biden administration faces and look at the presidential candidates, particularly the Republicans. Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm doing very good. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How's your week been? My week has been very, very good. In particular, my weekend's been just amazing. What were you up to? I was watching a theatre play put on by the theatre group, which, oh, wow. I, which I assistantly produced. It. I can't forget that. No, assistants are so vital. Absolutely. And what was the play? It was The Sound of Heavy Rain. Wow. Would you be able to give us an insight into what it was about? No, I can't. You have to go back in time and watch the play. I do. I'll, I'll be sure not to miss any of your future productions then. You better not. <laughs> How's your week been? Yeah, it's been good, thank you. It's been busy, but very good, thank you. Are you ready to talk about the US elections? I am. I've been looking forward to it all week. So, um, currently looking at the standings, we've got seven Republican candidates. We've had some notable Republican dropouts, including former Vice President Mike Pence. And... Donald Trump and Biden are respectively dominating their party's fields, according to polls. Another thing that's very unique about this election, actually, is the potential for third party and independent candidates. Oh, really? Yes, absolutely. So Robert Kennedy Jr. was originally running as a Democrat, but is now running as an independent. And whilst historically third party and independent candidates have not won an election in US history, as far as I'm aware, they can often take a portion of the vote and the electoral college votes. So it it could have a significant impact on this election. Also, as we all know, Robert Kennedy Jr. is the son of Robert Kennedy. Absolutely. Not the... Or the probably more famous Kennedy. Oh, don't be mean to Bobby. <laughs> he was very important. And of course, we must look at the 2022 midterms that changed the composition of Congress. Yeah, I got my list here. Tell, okay. him, tell me the numbers. Oh, definitely. Tell me. So the House is... The House of Representatives is currently controlled by the Republicans okay. with 221 seats. The Democrats are only having 213 seats, but there is a vacancy right now. Oh, wow. Would you be able to tell us more about that? I would love to. Um, Republican, former Republican member of the House, George Santos, was expelled due to ethic, ethical violations. Wow. He is um, the first U.S. lawmaker to be expelled from the House since the since the Civil War, not because of a felony he, he had. Oh wow! And actually, looking at the numbers as well, 
there isn't too much of a difference between 221 Republicans and 213 Democrats. I know, it's it's very close. Do you think this might be an indication of the presidential race next year? I think it could. Well, look at everything in America right now. Like Even the Senate is very close. Absolutely. So it, the Democrats are just about holding on to a majority. Um, so you've got 48 Democrats, three independents, and then 49 Republicans. But the three independents help the Democrats make a figure of 51. And um, the majority leader is a Democrat as a result, Chuck Schumer. But um, we've also seen some changes in the voting system that could have an impact on the election next year. So would you be able to tell us a bit more about electoral college votes, about maybe the system, how it's calculated and the changes that we've seen following the 2020 census? I would love to. So the electoral college is a mess. <laughs> it's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a system that was created by the founding fathers. And it basically means that people don't directly elect the president. Um, the states do. Each state has like a value. And you need a certain amount. I believe it's 270 votes, electoral votes to become president. Okay. Um, and they change the amount each state has every census. And there was a census in 2020. So this will be the first presidential election that has been affected by the census. Some massive states have lost electoral votes. California and New York and Illinois and Pennsylvania have lost one electoral votes. But other states like Florida and North Carolina and Colorado have gained one. And Texas has gained two. The only state to gain two is Texas. Wow. Um, and just also to note for listeners, that's your opinion of the Electoral College system. That oh, is 100%, 100%, 100% my opinion. Absolutely. And it is written within the Constitution. Um, and just for anyone that isn't aware, the Electoral College votes that a state has is formed of the number of House seats they have, demonstrated by um, congressional districts, um, plus the two Senate seats that each state has regardless of its size or population. And yes, you are right, Leo, 270 electoral college votes are needed to win. So can you tell us about the significance that this change in the number of votes may have on the election? Are there any swing states involved? Well, because the numbers have changed, it could affect campaigning because some states might be more worth it to win now. So some states might be targeted a lot more by different parties. Texas in particular, because okay. it's gained two, and the cities are getting larger, which do tend to be Democrat, might become a swing state in this election. But I have to say this. People have been saying that since 2016. And obviously, the Republicans won Texas since 20, twice since 2016. So it's sort of up, to, up in the air for that if it will flip, but there's a possibility. Absolutely. Um, and looking at a plethora of data, looking at opinion polls as well, um, there does seem to be... A, uh, well, I, I for sure um, am a bit uncertain as to who might win. Of course, there is a history of um, whether incumbent presidents um, have an advantage when it comes, because... 
only 10 former US presidents have been unable to win second terms. However, this does include Donald Trump, who lost in 2020. So... So there is, it's all to play for, in my opinion. Um, there was a president that won an election unconsecutively. Basically, he didn't win it two in a row. I see. There was a gap. And who was that? I can't tell you off the top of my head, but I think it was Grover Cleveland. I could be completely wrong, though. You are absolutely right. He what? was the 22nd and the 24th president of the United States. Maybe Donald Trump might hold that dual honour with him. Potentially. Um, let's delve more into, well, where the United States stands at the moment. What's been happening in the Biden administration? And in turn, what are some of the key issues and concerns that candidates will now have to address Um in this election campaign. So firstly, let's have a look at some domestic legislation. Um, Shall we start from most recent or do you want to start from the start of the administration? How about we do it from the start? Okay, so there was the Build Back Better Act in 2021 and that provides 39 million households with up to $3,600 in tax cuts per child. And it was also um, implemented um, to support a shift to green and clean energy, incentivizing the use of clean energy, including um, solar energy and wind energy. And it also um, reduces premiums for more than 9 million Americans who buy insurance through the Affordable Care Act marketplace by an average of $600 per person per year. So that demonstrates a lot of what the Biden administration um, perhaps stands for, a shift towards clean energy and increasing um, support, um, domestic support for citizens. Another significant thing is obviously that it follows on the, well, during the COVID pandemic. So a time that was really tough for American citizens as well as people across the globe. Um, Almost a complete shutdown of the economy. So there was a massive amount of shrinkage, which, you know... (laughs) has impacted the economy massively. Um, Absolutely. If I remember, I believe the Build Back Bear Act was something Biden campaigned on. I see. Okay. So are you saying that it's evidence that he's living up to his campaign pledges? He could be fulfilling his pledges, yes. Wow. Do you think that will have a lot of sway for voters? It could show some form of integrity, which could stand to be uh, positive in his favour. I see, I see. And obviously since then, we've also seen further financial and economic stimulus that's been passed. So the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act of 2021. Wow, what an awesome title for a bill. I know. So it was passed with the sense of bipartisan sentiment and it will provide for a $1.2 trillion worth of federal spending over the next five years, adding on average 1.5 million jobs per year for the next 10 years, according to whitehouse.gov. 
And would you be able to tell us a bit more about um, the more recent uh, fiscal um, um, and economic legislation that's been passed? I would love to. So first of all, there was the Inflation Reduction Act 2022. Um, it introduced incentives into reducing en- renewable energy costs for organisa- organizations like Green Power Partners, businesses, nonprofits, and educational institutions. Wow. And more recently, uh, just in June this year, was um, the Fiscal Responsibility Act, something that appeals to me from its economic um, standpoint, which suspended the debt ceiling until January 2025. The debt ceiling being um, something that um, has to be voted on and approved by Congress as they have the constitutional power of the purse. Um, And often that money is used to pay for social security, federal wages um, and things like that. But um, it, of course, um, required bipartisan support or support from um, both parties um, in order to to succeed um, as 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 a piece of legislation. And at that time, the House was Republican Republican controlled, right? Absolutely. So it shows their willingness to to step in, perhaps. And the economic market impact, you know, I love I love my data and statistics on that. Um, the debt ceiling has been um, increased 78 times since 1960, but it still raised some concerns from an economic perspective, um, although the extent to which was perhaps um, more marginal than um, from like a population civilian perspective. So um, the yields on one month US Treasury bills um, rose from 3.36% on the 21st of April to 6.02% on the 26th of May. Um, And as soon as an agreement had been made um, on suspending the debt ceiling until January 2025, things calmed down from a market perspective. But all this economic legislation, it is really quite important. Um, It could be seen as a potential stumbling block for Joe Biden. Um, And issues like inflation still remain remain of concern to American voters. So, um, for example, a poll by the Financial Times and um, Michigan Ross, um, so the University of Michigan's um, Ross School, um, showed that only 14% of US voters think that Joe Biden has made them better off. And whilst he's been campaigning on this plan of Bidenomics to reindustrialize <laughs> the US and increase employment, um, inflation remains perhaps one of the most concerning issues for many voters. Now, of course, I think it's important to note that there is um, a role that the US Federal Reserve, so their central bank plays, um, that is slightly different to the role of, of um the government. Oh, really? 
Yes. Um, so the Federal Reserve is often seen as independent it's, and they have a very important role in setting monetary policies. So the main thing that perhaps you associate with that are interest rates. Um, and they're meeting in two weeks time um, to look at interest rates again and review. Currently, they sit between 5.25 and 5.5%, where they've remained since July. And whilst data, so um, the um, October US CPI, CPI, which um, measures the monthly change in prices paid by US consumers by analysing a particular bundle of goods, um, was at 3.2%, down from 3.7% in September and below the expectation of 3.3%. So there's a suggestion that inflation is cooling down, heading in the right direction um, and perhaps will eventually get closer to the usual target of 2%. So it could be potential good news for Biden to campaign off then? Absolutely, although... As, as most things, it's good not to jump ahead. And um, it often takes up to 18 months for interest rate hikes, so an increase in interest rates, to have an effect in cutting inflation. Um, so it's not over yet. In fact, the chair of the Federal Reserve has tried to calm speculation um, by saying that it's the fight against inflation is not over. And yeah, this is important, of course, because people have really felt, um, really felt the effects of inflation. It's it's restricted um, the leeway that they've had with um, income, and the price of goods has become more expensive. The cost of living has become more expensive. Eighty-two percent of people say that price increases are is one of the biggest sources of financial stress to them, uh, which shows how. It is a key issue for voters. And this is particularly interesting because in 2019, November 2019, only 35% of voters believed that they were um, financially better off under Donald Trump, um, whilst 31% said they were worse off. At the heart of it is that people are still suffering with the increasing price of goods. Yeah, people are really feeling the pinch. Exactly. And with that, people feeling way worse off now, that could be a real struggle for Biden's chances potentially. Yes, I think though it's important to contextualise because the election which saw Biden coming in um, as president occurred just after the sort of first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. So he's seen a lot more in terms of what lockdown policy um, and issues with supply chains globally have had in increasing prices, in decreased unemployment. So he's had a lot more to battle with than than Trump. Um, but yeah, it, it will be interesting to see what happens, what plays out um, between now and November 2024. There are expectations that um, the Federal Reserve might start cutting interest rates from late summer, September, perhaps, uh, dependent on who you ask. Um, so definitely, we'll see what happens. Our price is going to continue going down. It's, it's, it's a long fight for sure, um, as it often is with issues like inflation.
looking back on, um, I suppose, political changes, um, we mentioned in the Senate how the Democrats have just about been able to cling on with a 51-49 majority. There's a very famous Democrat stepping down, isn't there? Yes, there is. Do you want to tell us more? Joe Manchin, who was a senator for West Virginia, I believe, yes, said he's not going to run for re-election in the 2024 election. And why is this significant? This is significant because West Virginia is a very red state. Um, it's got it's got all the traditional sort of red state features. So it's quite unusual for Joe Manchin to be a Democrat. Although his political views could be considered on the right of the party. Yes. So he's been important in them perhaps being able to get some voters who would otherwise vote Republican. Oh, yeah. Like the fact that he's managed to keep his seat as Democrat is frankly insane and like very good going for how tough that must have been. Um, But with him going that could potentially be won by Republicans. Exactly. And it looks like things aren't just finishing there as well in terms of the challenge for having a majority in the Senate. Because um, 23 Democrat seats as opposed to 11 Republican seats are up for re-election. So that is a real big issue for the control Absolutely. But of course, um, with the House elected every two years, we'll see what happens. It's only um, roughly a third of um, the Senate that gets elected um, every two years because it's a six year term as opposed to two years in, in the House of Representatives. So it's still all to play for. We'll see. So... Let's look at some of the polls so far. Um, We're looking ahead at the Iowa Republican primary, which will be held um, in January. So our first first, um, insight from an electoral perspective of um, who will be leading the Republicans, a poll that ended on the 27th of November, it shows that there... Trump is winning with a 7% margin, so 36% for Biden and 43% for Trump. Um, This is problematic for Joe Biden, isn't it? It is very problematic because popularity is key in presidential elections. Absolutely. But of course, it's it's just the start of the campaign. Um, looking at the Iowa Republican primary, what what are we seeing? Trump seems to be the majority stakeholder in the in the polls so far. Trump is dominating compared to the rest of the candidates. You know, he's got a majority of around 30 ish percent above all the other candidates. Yeah, or um, as of the average as of November the 21st is 44.7%. Um, and the next Republican candidate closest to him is Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, with 17.5%. So it's a significant difference for sure, um, despite um, some of the ongoings with Donald Trump, what happened following the 2020 presidential election the current court case that he's involved in. But 
let's let's have a deep look into the Republicans. We've we've looked at um, Joe Biden quite a bit. I think one thing before we do that though is to mention the impact of age on how that might influence the election. It's something that's been quite prevalent in popular culture and social media. But from a poll's perspective, um, how are things looking? So there was a CNN poll um, that indicates that 73% of those polled are concerned um, that his age might negatively affect his current level of physical and mental competence. And 76% are concerned about his ability to serve another full term if re-elected. That is a drastic amount of the population, isn't it? Yes, so it was recently his birthday on the 20th of November. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Um, so he's turned 81. He's now the eldest president uh, in US history. Even being the old man Ronald Reagan himself. But it's interesting in particular when you look at Donald Trump, who's only three years younger, but polls suggest that there is less concern about his age. It really shows the importance that physical appearance um, and stature has. It really does. Um, Optics is very important. What people sort of portray themselves as. Because, again, the, the election, along with policies, is also sort of, in my opinion, a popularity contest. So if you look young in a way... Um, knowledgeable charismatic charismatic of course people are more likely to vote for you or, or your party absolutely slightly different example but one that I always like to refer to is uh, back when Nixon and John F. Kennedy were campaigning and it was the first time that they had a televised um, debate and for the people listening via the radio they were all very impressed with Nixon. Um, he was the winning candidate in their eyes. But for those watching the televised version of the debate, it was John F. Kennedy that stood out because he'd really factored in the impact that lighting um, and things would have. So it, it really does show that um, appearance matters. So... Before we move on to the Republican candidates, I think it's also interesting to look at um, Biden's current approval rating. So um, a Reuters and Ipsos poll um, on the 7th of November showed that his approval rating is at 39%, its lowest since April. What are your thoughts on that? The thing is, if you look at most presidents' popularity polls, they don't tend to be that high. Like, it's low. That's for sure. But they're always, like, not that high. Like, there was a day during the Trump presidency that they hit 50, and that was seen as a massive celebration. Oh, wow. Okay. So numbers are normally quite low, because obviously, most of the elections, half the country doesn't vote for you. (laughs) So it's kind of hard to get that approval rating to be quite high. But that is... A bit that could be concerning for Joe Biden and his election team. Absolutely. So let's have a look at the Republican um, candidates. Um, it definitely seems more interesting compared to the Democrat uh, presidential side because it um, 
I suppose Biden being the incumbent, it's expected that he's running and um, everyone's on board with that. I know this year's Democratic nominations is far less interesting than last year's. So let's have a look at um, the Republicans. Who would you like to start with? Should we start with the big man, Ron DeSantis? Let's start with Ron DeSantis. So as we all know, Ron DeSantis is the governor of Florida. Um, He is, at the moment, the best runner against Trump. I see. He's He's the most popular in the polls. And if for some reason Trump can't do the next election, it's possible he could win the nomination. Absolutely. Although we've looking at the polls, there is a significant gap between his and Trump's popularity rating. And um, even with um, with the current events um, and a court case that Donald Trump is involved in, um, I believe he can still serve his term if he is um, president. That's highly possible. A lot of things will have to go in Ron DeSantis' favour for him to be the nominee. Um, He served two terms as a little-known member of the House of Representatives. Okay. And he was a former naval officer. Well, there is um, a huge history, I suppose, in that sense of public service, something that voters uh, might want to consider. Yeah, historically, voters have liked former you know people of the army navy marines eisenhower for example exactly um that's where um donald trump was quite different coming in from a non-political background as a background that wasn't in the military or public service as such taking that business approach but he did succeed in 2016 so still very very um very much open to the possibility of who it could be it's it's quite interesting actually considering ron DeSantis is running against trump because because it could be said trump's endorsement of him in 2018 for the governorship of florida could have possibly boosted boosted him into this job Absolutely. And under his tenure in Florida, Republican voters outnumbered Democrats in the state for the first time. Having said that, though, I think Trump has distanced himself from DeSantis. There's been I think I think it's clear that uh, they will not be backing one another no matter what happens. No, Trump's already gave him his nickname. I think it's clear that whatever happens, they will not be backing one another. But um, there is no doubt that DeSantis, as as governor of Florida, um, is now a significant political figure. Um, And last year's midterms, um, he he won by more than 1.5 million votes, which is the largest margin in the state in more than four decades. That's insane. So... There is big support at home um, by the looks of things. So what sort of policies does he stand for? Where does he perhaps differ to Trump, um, at least on the surface? Well, he wants to defund diversity and inclusion programs. Okay. He wants to put a ban on teaching gender identity in public schools. He's taking... um, 
a much more socially conservative approach um, than perhaps Trump has done in the past. Although, of course, there's there's no doubt that the social conservative side within the Republican Party and within Republican voters is very important. Yeah, I would say Ron DeSantis is... He fits a lot more easily into those sort of categories of Republicans. You know, a very socially conservative. So Absolutely. You would see people more like him in the past compared to Trump, who was sort of a, a, a wild child, wasn't he, in the Republican Party? He was. They were very divided when he was chosen for um, the presidential candidacy. Mitt Romney, who famously ran um, in the past and is a Republican veteran, um, disagreed with him, for example. So the Republican Party were divided, but ultimately it's all about how the voters feel. Yeah. Will they like Ron DeSantis? If the rest of the country is like Florida, there's a strong possibility. It is. Um, But at the moment, as we said, polls are suggesting that Trump is still in the lead. So let's look at our next Republican candidate, Nikki Haley. Would you be able to tell me a bit more about her? Nikki Haley, first of all, was the first Republican, Republican to launch her campaign against Trump specifically. Okay. She was an anti-Trumper for this election. Which is interesting because... It's interesting because she was part... Trump wanted her to be the US representative to the UN. Yes, which she did serve. She did. So that could be a plus in her favour. Yes, a lot of people... Some opinions are that perhaps um, she can even pip past Ron DeSantis um, and bring something new to the table. Um, As he said, she's got that name power. um, And she was governor um, of South Carolina, serving two terms, focusing on attracting businesses and major companies to the state. And it seems that she's done the same from an election funding perspective. Yes, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan, has urged donors to donate for her. Um, the so called Help Nikki Haley campaign. And she has also received a massive endorsement from Coke. Not the company, the, the people. That <laughs> <laughs> um, the Coke, formerly the Coke brothers, are a massive conservative donor. So she's really got the support of Wall Street personnel. And um, as you said, this this could be very significant. We all know how expensive campaigns are in the US. So this definitely will help in terms of expanding publicity. Something that we haven't really spoken about, um, although it's very important, um, especially looking at what's been happening during the Biden administration, is foreign policy. So as we said, um, she was US ambassador to the United Nations. Um, And she's got some very um, strong opinions on foreign policy, Um, things that will appeal to voters, perhaps. For example, um, taking a stronger um, oppositionary approach to Russia 
and China, and more recently there have been events in the Middle East. Um, and she also suggested sending US special forces into Mexico. So we're still looking at the um, the significant role that um, immigration plays in um, in um, US politics because Trump famously had the um, had the phrase we need to build a wall. Would you be able to tell us a bit more about US Mexico relations um, and perhaps why she she suggests sending special forces into the country? US and Mexico relations over the recent decade have become a lot more colder than what they used to be. In the 90s, they were best friends. Um, Bill Clinton famously made the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA. Okay. Which, you know, shows how good relations were with Mexico that you could form a, tr- a free trade agreement between the two countries. And it makes sense, given they border one another. Oh, they do. And over recent years, there's been allegation, allegations that crime has been going up due to immigration from Mexico. Right. So famously, there was uh, the longest shutdown of Congress in US history, going back to the Congress's power of the purse, which was um, done on the basis of funding for um, a border wall of some sort between the US and Mexico. Do you know um, what happened as a result? I don't know. So the president at the time, Donald Trump, he passed emergency, um, well, he managed to get funding by saying it was a national emergency. Um, And so the fact that we're still talking about um, foreign policy with Mexico, and then also looking at Russia and China and events in the Middle East, which have happened more recently during the Biden administration shows how perhaps this is something that voters are going to consider with the Russia-Ukraine war going on at the moment and um, challenging relations at times with China, which included uh, President Biden saying that, um, well, saying that Chinese President Xi Jinping um, was effectively a dictator. So... There's a lot going on at the moment. Um, Also, um, what's happening in the Middle East at the moment that um, candidates are going to have to consider because the president is really an ambassador abroad for the United States. And given their really quite significant position in politics, military, economically, financially, this is all all very, very important. You want to make sure that the person you're voting for as president is representing your views um, and that you feel is strong enough as well to maintain um, the dominant position that the US plays. Um, Going back to Nikki, she has um, quite, um, I guess, an unusual policy that we haven't really seen before in this sort of level of US politics. It involves a mental competency test, which will be mandatory for any politician over the age of 75. 
Wow. And I think that's particularly relevant given um, the ages of Donald Trump and uh, Joe Biden when they were elected. Well, even looking at like senior politicians in the Senate, Mitch McConnell. Yes, who has frozen um, a few times when delivering speeches. So age is now such a massive factor in a certain area of US politics now. It really is. Um, In fact, there have been discussions going back to the importance that age has placed um, in terms of Biden's campaign. And there is a possibility that if he withdrew for whatever reason before the Democrat National Convention, perhaps it would play its traditional role um, within party rules, which would enable um, a new candidate to emerge. Possibly Camilla Harris? Yes, although she has been rather unpopular. I believe there was a policy when the Biden-Harris administration was elected in that she would act as a deflection board for some of the unpopularity that Biden might face, including on issues like immigration. So it isn't clear who um, who a key contender could be, especially given that he's the incumbent. Um, but yes, um, I think it relates to the importance that age is playing um, in politics in the US. And the final candidate that we're going to be looking at from a Republican perspective, of course, there are more people running. We did mention um, Robert Kennedy Jr. as well as an independent. But in the interest of time, um, the last Republican candidate that we'll be looking at... And the youngest, don't forget. ...is um, Vivek Ramaswamy. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about him? So, Vivek is a biotech entrepreneur with no previous political experience. But as we've mentioned recently, given Donald Trump's um, previous lack of political um, and military experience, this is not the most pressing concern, perhaps, for voters. He is also a very fervent defender of Mr. Trump. I see. Um, particularly when he mentioned that he would pardon the ex-president's crimes if elected as president, because that is one of the constitutional powers that the US president has. And I believe was used by Gerald Ford to pardon Nixon, wasn't it? It was. So given events going on at the moment, mentions of not only um, events that happened um, in the Capitol following the 2020 election, but the court case um, occurring at the moment. It's it's definitely um, interesting from a legal perspective. Vivek is also particularly opposed to ESG. This is significant when you contrast it with some of the stimulus legislation, if you will, that was passed by the Biden administration that focused on incentivizing moves towards green and cleaner technology from a domestic perspective. So Vivek's weird to me, right? Because he's like the most major candidate that supports Trump while running against Trump, isn't he? Yes. Perhaps he believes he can bring a different different perspective to the table, 
but it's it's not um unusual that former candidates that have been running in the primaries um later support one another so an interesting one was between um Kamala Harris and Joe Biden who particularly from Kamala Harris's perspective, um, criticised Joe Biden in the Democrat primaries of the last presidential election, but ultimately was chosen as his running mate, as vice president. Um, So definitely interesting from that perspective. Having a look at his, I suppose, popularity, it's, it's definitely one of the least significant scores compared to um, other Republican candidates. So looking um, at polls for the Iowa Republican primary, uh, just to repeat, which will be in January 2024, the first one, looking at the averages of the 21st of November 2023, he has just 4.7%. So he's behind Trump, DeSantis, and Haley. Doesn't look very good for him right now, does it? It doesn't. Um, but of course, um, it's the nature of politics. There can only be one winner. So, overall, just to conclude, what do you think is the main takeaway from our discussion? I think the main takeaway is it looks like it's going to be a very competitive election. Yes. There's loads of factors in play, economy, foreign policy, age as well, surprisingly. I would never suspect age to be such a thing in this election. Yes, and um, I think it's important to note that it's not from a social media perspective um, or memes that perhaps spread around um, throughout the Biden administration, but from a polling perspective, there is a genuine political significance, um, at least from the people that have been sampled. So it's all to play for. That's our ultimate conclusion. Thank you very much for joining us um, with our discussion on our inaugural episode. Woo, we did it. First episode. And we look forward to you listening in to future ones. Hopefully we'll catch you at the next one. See ya.